Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Right, and good morning once again, everybody, and welcome to another playoff postseason championship edition of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Ken. Thank you for the introduction. Absolutely. How was uh, morning this morning? Not bad. Enjoying championship baseball. We had three games since we last joined you on Sunday morning, and things are progressing right along here in this postseason. It has been all Rangers in the American League. Don't mess with Texas. That's right, George W. Bush. Not really. That's Will Ferrell. Don't tell anybody. But yeah, don't mess with Texas. The Rangers have shown up taking out Justin Verlander in game one, and then Framber yesterday. He made that error that opened up that big first inning. Houston, we have a problem. That's right, Tom Hanks. So, based on this situation, do you think that Texas is going to sweep Astros in the next game. Yeah, well, let's Wait. get right into it. Texas is up two games to zero. They win the first two games on the road. As I said, they beat Justin Verlander, and then Framber kind of fell apart yesterday, but it was all Rangers. Houston tried to come back yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was Jordan with two more postseason home runs. We'll have more about that later in our milestones section. Nevertheless, you know, they fell short. Five to four at home yesterday. We're not able to do the comeback. They are down two to zero. And now they have to go to Arlington and play at the Rangers home. And oh, by the way, Mad Max Scherzer is starting game three. And you know he wants to beat Verlander. Oh, I no doubt. Not that Verlander doesn't want to beat him. Scherzer? But but Mad Max is Mad Max, you know? Yeah, look at the intensity he brought to that celebration party last week. Pouring beer in that guy's poor eyes and, and looking like a crazy demonic demon while doing it. Well, he definitely going to bring the intensity to the game. I just think he might get rocked. Oh, he he's capable of getting rocked. We saw him get rocked against the Padres last year in a Mets uniform. Even this season. Uh, four home runs he gave up in that playoff game last mm-hmm. year, including uh, Trent Grisham, I think, may have taken him deep twice yeah. in one game. I know he hit two home runs in that series against the Mets because everyone was like, Who's this Trent Grisham guy? Max hasn't been on the field. He's been doing virtual gaming, which is completely different animal versus playing. Yeah, he's been throwing simulation games. Okay. Virtual. You make it sound like he's got goggles on on the mouth, (laughs) like seeing a whole stadium around him, but like he's by himself. It wouldn't surprise me. Not with this guy. No, I, I, I joking lee kid max scherzer because i kind of appreciate the fact that he can be this crazy and get away with it like there's not many people in life that are allowed to get away with that level of crazy it's going to be him on the mound in game three it's going to be christian javier for the astros i'm home i'm home (laughs) you are strange christian yes the rangers starting pitching by the way has been 
phenomenal in these two games, we should point out. It was Jordan Montgomery in game one, going 6.1 innings, giving up five hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts, and only throwing 90 pitches. So he should be nice and strong for his next start in the series as well. You know, and then yesterday it was the Wizard as we call him, Nathan Eovaldi, he goes six innings, gives up five hits, three runs, three earned, but only one walk, nine strikeouts, two homers, 91 pitches. So even with the two home runs, the three earned runs, it was still a quality start. Six innings, three runs given up, and more importantly, put the Rangers in a position to win that game, which they did. Again, I want to point out the lack of walks. Only two walks between the two of them in those two starts in like high-intensity games. I saw him yesterday, and he was dispatching the Astros batters one, two, three pretty quickly. It seems like whatever decision the Rangers made with him with regards to shutting him down in July or August, whenever they Yeah, did, it was somewhere on that. It time. was after the All-Star game because he pitched in the All-Star game. But that decision seems to be paying off momentous right now because Evaldi looks fresh. And and he didn't even look that great in September. And people were kind of like scratching their heads, like wondering, like, what is going on? I remember he had, what, 40 pitches in a start and they were like yanking him and everyone was like, whoa. I, I think they were just working him back, you know? Sure. And they had a certain goals. They didn't allow it to paranoid them or get them rattled. You know, they stayed the course. And here he is. He's performing. He's got the experience with Boston bet here in these moments against the Astros before. So, yeah, it seems to all be working out well for the Rangers. Meanwhile, it's not working out so great for the Astros pitching so far. Obviously, Verlander didn't pitch poorly in game one. He only gave up two runs. It's just he lost the two to nothing game. The bets didn't show up. <laughs> Astros bets. Well, yeah, and, and again, like he got outdueled in a in a pitcher's duel. <laughs> So would that be a Texas standoff since we have two teams from Texas? Hey, whenever you have two pitchers in a pitcher's duel like that, it's always a Texas standoff. It doesn't <laughs> matter if it's in Florida or California or Chicago or New York. You got two gunslingers up there, baby. But yeah, Verlander didn't pitch bad in game one, giving up the two runs, two earned, two walks, five strikeouts, only one homer, six and two thirds. So he pitched into the seventh. You lose a two to nothing game. It happens sometimes mm -hmm. in the postseason like that. And, uh, you know, he's not going to let it bother him. He's going to get out there and do it again the next game. He's got another start in him in this series. So you think this game going to go to six or seven games, basically? So this is interesting. I think I think it's entirely possible that Houston will win two out of three in Texas and, and get it back to Houston. I, I think it goes back to Houston. Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. Okay. We'll see. We will wait and see. But I think they're experienced, and I don't think they're going to go down without a fight. And I think, to your point, Mad Max is capable of giving up some meatballs, and I think it's entirely possible that he's not going to be sharp in this game. Right. He hasn't pitched in a while, so that might play into it. Yeah, we will have to wait and see. Again, to your point, Nika, with all the great points this morning, you know, he hasn't pitched in a, in a month or two, and he also has, a, like, an intensity to him, you know, and that can manifest different ways. You can be jacked up to go and play and things just click click, or they don't. That's the one thing Max has is muscle memory on his side. He's experienced. Uh, aside from that Mets start last year, like let's not forget all the great work he did with the Nationals and the Dodgers and, and their postseason runs. But Max is, I guess you don't know what you're going to get, but the simulation is not the real thing. 
So nobody should mistake in the fact that just because he performs well enough in front of coaches to get the nod to say like, okay, you can start, you know, it doesn't mean that like the second you get out there and you haven't pitched in a month or two, it could affect you. Absolutely. And let's not forget Rangers have not lost a game in the postseason yet. Not yet. So yeah, we, we will have some fun facts about that during our milestones section. But yeah, that's another interesting point you bring up to put a bow on the on the ALCS right now. The Rangers undefeated in this postseason so far. So you got to assume they're due for a loss. They are actually like one win away from the record to start a postseason. Well, maybe they can break on it. Record. Maybe they will have to sweep the Astros to do it. And I think they're going to have to get through Verlander again. All right. Well, we should turn our attentions to the National League and the birthday boy. Bryce Harper, who got to celebrate his 31st birthday by starting the NLCS last night against the visiting Diamondbacks in Philadelphia. And boy, oh boy, was the Liberty Bell going off early. And this one, it was Kyle Schwarber. That's right, Cartman. Kyle Schwarber going deep as the first batter of the game. And then just two batters later, Bryce Harper did it again. The Phillies take a 2-0 lead into the first inning. And then Nick Castellanos comes up in the second inning and he homers for the third straight game, his fifth home run in three games. More on that later in the milestones section. But yeah, Bryce gets the birthday home run. He gets to blow out the candles at home plate, as they say. Castellanos gets the big home run for the fifth time in three games, and here we are. The Phillies go on to win 5-3. to three. Now, I want to point out, the Snakes didn't quit in this no. game. Snakes in the grass. You'd better move fast. You'll be poisoned or be strangled to death. And they're not going to quit. They might be a little bit overmatched in this series, and, and, and Philly definitely has, I think, the experience on their side. Zach Gallen, unfortunately, got rocked last night. No, no kinder way to put it. Gave up eight hits in five innings. Gave up five runs. Three home runs, four strikeouts, two walks, too. He only goes 88 pitches, and he gets the heave-ho. Did he have his shoes on, White Lightning? I don't know. I don't think he did. I I think they would have stood out to me more if he did. Maybe that's the problem. But he was outmatched by Zach Wheeler a little bit. Wheeler goes six innings, gives up three hits, two runs, two earned. No walks, though. No walks and eight strikeouts. So he definitely had the strikeout working. He did give up a home run to one Geraldo Perdomo. That was a two-run home run in the sixth. But yeah, no Zach attack last night. However, I do feel like he's going to get another crack at the apple here. And I think we will see a different Zach Gallon next time out at home. And I think he will dominate the Phillies. Look, you have a young team that's never been here that was not supposed to be here versus a team that was here last year that you know got through. So experience is definitely on the Phillies side and they showed it last night. But I don't think that this Diamondbacks team is built to lay down or give up. And I think you got another great pitching matchup tonight with Merrill Kelly against Aaron Nola. I'm sorry, Austin? Austin Nola. Austin. Jesus, I confused their names so much. That's okay. Austin Nola versus 
Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly for the Diamondbacks. So two good pitchers going on the mound. Merrill Kelly, by the way, had some Team USA experience. So he's pitched in some big moments in his career, and we'll see if that helps him tonight, you know, because this is a big road start. The one thing about the Diamondbacks that I, I, I don't question their strategy, but you just wonder if maybe they should have saved Kelly to pitch at home because it's going to be really important if they lose tonight for them to, like, come out and win game three. Otherwise, this might be over really quick. Well, I think Fat will be the third pitcher. I know, but if they lose tonight, I'm saying then they're relying on a rookie to pitch in the biggest game of their season, essentially. Where it's like if they don't win, they're putting themselves in a 3-0 hole. So tough choices, you know, but I guess we'll see what happens tonight. It'll be a very interesting game to watch. Yes, and and I, I, I guess I, I want to see if the Diamondbacks can take that momentum that they might have gotten at the end of that game. You know, like if, if you say like, hey, if, if you're Tori Lavolo and you're talking to the team after the game, I think you just clap your hands and say, okay, boys, that's that's the intensity level that we got to match. You, you've seen it now, you know, but from the fifth inning on, we beat this team tonight. And we can beat this team tomorrow. That's my message to the Diamondbacks, to the players, to those young players. And and I try to give them as much confidence going into tonight as possible. And look, when it comes time to like Cy Young conversation and stuff like that every year, you know, like you don't see the Phillies pitchers at the top of that list. So these guys are hittable. You just can't let them psych you out in their own park and, and let them get the better of you. Well, Phillies definitely had an advantage with the crowd because they do get involved in a game. <laughs> Oh, and what are they singing over there in Philadelphia? Yes, that's right. This is the Tiesto remix. Oh, I like Tiesto DJ. Of course. But this is Callum Scott dancing on my own. So the Phillies fandom sort of adopted this as their postseason song last year. Uh, so they're they're playing it already this year. But make sure you listen to the Tiesto remix because if you don't, you're just going to get a sleepy song kind of by Callum Scott is the artist who does this song, by the way. But you, you are definitely looking for the Tiesto remix. I'm really surprised they don't have Hell's Bells over there from ACDC because of the whole Liberty Bell thing. Like whenever I hear that bell... I just think of Hell's Bells by ACDC. And, and you know, with the team that they have, they kind of have this embody this rock and roller. Bryce, I could see him on a Harley. Yeah, definitely. Maybe they need a suggestion. They haven't realized that's the song they should be using. Yeah, I guess not. But okay. either way, no, no knocking Callum Scott in the Tiesto remix. So it's dancing on their own. I'm sorry, dancing on my own at the Phillies ballpark. That's what they're going with. Well, they were definitely dancing last night. They were dancing, and they got to leave with the win. Like I said, we'll see if those Diamondbacks can capitalize off of that late momentum that they got mm-hmm. in this game and, and bring it into tonight. I, I, I think they might. That's the game tonight. Well, it is going to be tough for the Diamondbacks because Bryce Harper looks locked into me. I want to start calling him Ice in his veins. You're as cold. He seems like he is in a, he's locked and, you know, he has his eyes set on the championship right now. It's a scary combination, but he seems ultra focused on that ring. And 
it's going to be tough to beat him. It's important to remember that these are like a seven-game series, and things tend to have a longer narrative than like the five-game series does, just because you know there's a lot more opportunity for things to turn, tides to be turned, and stuff. Um, so I do think it's going to be tough to beat Bryce Harper this year, even for the Rangers, for either one of the American League teams and for the Diamondbacks. I just think he's tough. It's not a single person sport, but I, I can't help but notice that the Phillies, they were really struggling this year. They didn't have Bryce Harper. He had elbow surgery in the offseason, but he was always intended to come back. And I feel like when he was on his way back, he famously didn't do a rehab stint. And we were talking about like, hmm, is that the right decision? Because he wasn't like hitting the snot out of the ball when he came back. He wasn't, but he also refused to go to minor league for a rehab assignment. So he has that much power in a clubhouse, and he decided to just go straight to the games. Sure, but my bigger point here was that I feel like since he came back, the Phillies turned their season around, and I, I feel like he's the leader of the team, like hands down. He's locked and loaded right now, and I feel like that's trickling down to other players like Castellanos, for example. Castellanos doesn't hit five home runs in three games ordinarily. Again, it's about that focus and that preparation right now, and they want a ring. You can see it. And and I think it's because Bryce wants a ring, and it trickles down to their other players. All right. We also wanted to touch on a quick story that broke yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? This bullet just handed to me. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Kim, is that her name? Eng? Nung. Nung. Nung? NG. Her last name her is Her last N-G. name is NG. I'm not showing any disrespect here. I think it's pronounced Ung. Oh. Nung. Kim Nung. The general manager from the Florida Marlins abruptly resigned her position after it was leaked out that the Marlins were looking to hire a team president, which would basically trump her in the chain of command and this was after the marlins had their of course postseason run here so this kind of came as a surprise because nobody really saw this happening at this moment like it was an abrupt resignation and there's a kind of some questions around like why this happened and why the power struggle it's kind of come out that jeter Derek Jeter, who's a part of the ownership group of the Marlins and her, do not see eye to eye on everything. And so they were maybe looking to add some checks and balances to their relationship or whatever. And she took unkindly to that. She, of course, was the first female in professional sports, period, to be hired as a general manager. But she's been around. She she worked for a different organization. Absolutely. And uh, from all the accounts I'm seeing, uh, she's going to work again in this position. She did a good job. And that's what's kind of like, surprising I think about the move is that she took Florida and got them into the postseason since she's been there 2020 so you know three or four seasons I guess one was shortened but on the fourth season she was able to get them into the postseason so it's kind of a head scratcher it's like you're you're trending upwards and yet now you're like abruptly halting what was happening and it kind of makes your future uncertain again whenever you bring in a new management team like on the executive side of things not on the field side they tend to want to have their own people in there so there's now been some question marks about like what does that mean for the future of the Marlins coaches and the managerial staff I'm sorry the Marlins manager and his coaching staff like and that's Skip Schumacher right now so yeah more more on that as it unfolds but this kind of just wanted to touch base and point out developing story that this happened and no one really knows probably the full extent or reason about why um but Kim 
Ng is a, I guess, free agent general manager, and there are some teams that need someone. You know, I saw White Sox fans kind of clamoring, like, hey, let's get this girl in here. That would be a good move, actually, for White Sox. I just don't think the owner would uh, get on board with a female GM. I think she's got a better chance of landing in, like, Boston. I think they're hunting for someone. And I've heard that she could be an asset to San Diego if Preller wants to share power. Who wants to share power? Nobody. Exactly. It's a nice idea for the Padres, but I think... It's not going to happen. They're stuck in their ways right now, and it might take another awful season to shake them out of apathy. But That's happening next year. Let's stay on this season and get to a bunch more milestones from this 2023 postseason. Get ready for greats. By far, my greatest achievement. We stand here amidst my achievement. That record's going to hold for a while, let me tell you. You idiot! I did it! Just don't touch my records. Ever. There are records and milestones galore, and we'll start with Sunday night. Justin Berlander. Gotta point this out. It was his 14th career start in game one of a postseason round. We've mentioned this a couple, well, we mentioned this last round for sure because it was his 13th, but this is uh, two more now than anyone else in postseason history. So his last round start was the record breaker. He is now adding to that record. And if the Astros are able to come back in this series, he will certainly add another one in the World Series. But that is a big question mark right now, everybody. We got to keep it on Verlander, though, because that start was also his 36th career postseason start. And that was good enough to pass Tom Glavin of the Atlanta Braves from the 1990s for second most in postseason history. And he now only trails Andy Pettit from the 1990s and 2000 New York Yankees and Houston Astros teams who had 44 career starts. So, yeah, I don't think Justin's going to catch him this year or next year. And I don't think that he's got, well, who knows? I don't want to tell people when they're done or when they're going to retire, but uh, I would be shocked if he pitches like enough seasons to actually pass Andy Pettit. Nevertheless, second all-time is nothing to hang your hat on or nothing to hang short of. It's pretty good mild. I don't think I said that saying right at all, and I just don't care because I got to keep moving on. Okay, we've been talking about Corey Seager because he was walking a lot last round. Well, he is not walking a lot anymore this round, but he has now reached base safely 18 times this postseason. That is tied for fourth most through a player's first six games of a postseason behind only... Alex Bregman from 2018, who did it 20 times. David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Yeah, that's right. We're going back to 2007 for this one, and he is also tied with Bregman with 20. And then we got to go back to 1995's Edgar Martinez, who was, of course, a part of those Seattle Mariners that I just loved from 1995, who beat those Yankees in the first round. He did it 19 times. So Corey Seager does it 18 times. That's fourth most through a player's first six games of a postseason. Not bad. Not bad. Good job, Corey. All right. That game one between the Astros and Rangers was the first game in the 2023 postseason where both pitchers went six or more innings in a game on both sides. And that 
also want to mention happened five times last postseason. It's it's only happened once so far this year. It can still happen five times this year if it happens in a lot more games, but it's going to have to pick up the pace. A lot of short leashes out there. I'm looking at you, Framber. All right, Jordan Montgomery in that game. He pitched a scoreless outing, and he is now the first pitcher. He is now the first pitcher in Rangers history with multiple scoreless postseason starts of six or more innings pitched in a career. And both of those games were in this year's postseason. So congratulations to you, Jordan Montgomery. Keep up the good scoreless streak. That was a great pickup by the Rangers. Damn good pickup. And oh, by the way, this was the 16th shutout pitched by a Bruce Bochy team in the postseason. Obviously, we know he's got a lot of pedigree with those three World Series rings, but those 16 shutouts are five more than any other manager in postseason history. In second place is Braves manager from the 90s, Bobby Cox. No surprise there with the pedigree of pitchers those Braves teams had with Smoltz, Tom Glavin, and Greg Maddox, of course, leading the way, three-headed monster. But uh, yeah, it's been Bruce Bochy getting it done. All right, we're going to switch to the NL, and uh, we're going to talk about Evan Longoria, who was back in the League Championship Series for the first time since 2008 for the Snakes. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! And he's the fourth player, but he's the first non-pitcher to appear in a League Championship Series 15 years after their first prior appearance. And this is a prior appearance with. You know, I'm not I sure. think he was with the Giants last year. I'm you know, this, this sounds like it might have been the Giants. It doesn't say, unfortunately, okay. in the tweet, but um, the three pitchers that did it were Bartolo Colon, who did it 17 years after he did it with the 2015 New York Mets and the 1998 Cleveland, at the time, Indians. Chuck Finley, who you might remember, did it as a 2002 St. Louis Redbird, and he also did it as a 1986 California Angel. The last person to do it on the list was Dennis Martinez, who did it with the, again, 1995 Cleveland Indians and the 1979 Baltimore Orioles. So Evan Longoria, the first non-pitcher, first position player to have a gap of 15 or more years between playoff appearances. That's crazy. There you go. All right. Well, it's back to the ALCS. I I, I kind of blew the, the gun on that Evan Longoria one because it was out of order. All right. Well, back to the Rangers and game two. I should have mentioned that about the milestones, by the way. We're, we're kind of going in order. So now we're to Monday. Okay. Four runs yesterday scored by the Rangers in the first inning is... The most runs in a first inning in Rangers postseason history. No big surprise there. They don't have a ton of postseason experience as a franchise. Nevertheless, whenever you put a four spot up in the first inning, you got to say that team means business today. Come all you Texas Rangers, wherever you may be. And the Astros, despite their best efforts to come back, could not. We mentioned, though, that Alex Bregman hit a homer yesterday, and he is now fourth all time when it comes to home runs by a player at a single venue. So he homered for the 11th time yesterday at Minute Maid Park. That's, of course, the Astros' home field. And three other players have done it better than him at a ballpark. It was, again, David Ortiz. That's right, Big Poppy again with 12 at Fenway Park. It was Jim Tomei who did it 13 times at Progressive Field, and it was Jose Altuve. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. 
Yes, he is tied with Jim Tomei, 13 home runs at aforementioned Minute Maid Park. Nevertheless, congratulations to Alex Bregman for inching closer to Big Poppy. All right, sticking with the Astros, despite the fact that they're losing, they're putting up some pretty big numbers, and one of those guys is Jordan Alvarez. He joins a list of five other players with two multi-home run games in a single postseason. And no surprise, number two on the list is Nick Castellanos, also from this year. Oh, wow. So we have two players in the same year that have done it. That's also happened before because in 2009, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, Jason Wirth and Chase Utley did it for the Phillies, although they didn't do it in the same series. And uh, it was in 2002, Troy Gloss, and in 1980, Willie Akins, who hit two home runs also on one game in his on his birthday in 1980 playoffs. So little bit of baseball history for you. But moving right along, Jordan Alvarez, of course, just hitting bombs this postseason, whether he's got a virus or not. He has the most home runs in a team's first six games of a single postseason. And he tied 2020's uh, Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees. They both have six through their first six games of a single postseason. So congratulations, Jordan. Also on that list, 2004, Carlos Beltran. 1996, Juan Gonzalez, as I used to call him. And 1995's Ken Griffey Jr. Nothing like that sweet swinging lefty, the kid. All right, longest winning streak to start a postseason. And yes, you guessed it, it belongs to those Texas Rangers. Nika kind of blew the lid on this one earlier. Impressive. Most impressive. Yes, the Rangers have won seven straight games to start a postseason. That ties the 2022 Astros, who did it. The 2020 Braves did it. The 2007 Rockies did it. And the 1976 Reds did it. So let me ask one question then. You say Astros and Braves did it in those respective years. Did they win the championship those years? No, the Braves did not. The Astros did. Okay, so it's a 50-50. And the 2014 Royals, by the way, won eight games to start a postseason and hold the record. So the Rangers can tie that record with... If, if they win game three. But I think it's hard to win that many games in a row, period. One other minor note about the 1976 Reds team that did it, that was for the entire playoffs they went undefeated because they only had to win seven games back then to win the championship. There was a NLCS that was a three of five series and the World Series, which was a game best of seven. So they won seven games only. So it's a different format. Basically. Different format. They, they couldn't win eight. Yeah. All right. Well, moving right along. Uh... We have Corbin Carroll in game one. He now reached basely, basely. He now reached base safely 14 times in his first six career postseason games. And that's tied for the most by a rookie in their first six career postseason games. And that is a tie with this year, Evan Carter from the Texas Rangers. He also did 14 times in his first six postseason games. Also doing it were Chuck Knobloch from the Minnesota Twins and Ichiro Suzuki from the Mariners. So congratulations to Corbin Carroll, who once again, he's going to win Rookie of the Year in the NL, no no doubt about it. And, you know, we'll see where his career goes. 25 and 50, 25 homers, 50 stolen bases this year. Well, he might have a sophomore slump next year. Most rookies go through that yeah we'll, we'll see i i don't know the diamondbacks have a lot of good young talent it tells me that they're developing their players i worry more about corbin carroll's shoulder than i do about like having a sophomore slump well that can contribute that it can all right well we gotta talk about some fighting fillies it was kyle schwarber 
We hit that big leadoff homer yesterday to get the Phillies rocking and rolling in their Citizens Bank ballpark, and that was good enough for his fourth postseason leadoff home run. Kyle Schwarber, you hold the record, my friend. That's the most in postseason history. Not in one season. No, not. Okay. Just period. Leadoff home runs in the playoffs. Gotcha. Ever. Okay. All right. Bryce Harper is the fourth player to homer on his birthday in the postseason. So congratulations to you, Bryce Harper. You join Colton Wong from the 2015 National League Division Series that was in Game 2. Evan Longoria, that was in 2013's AL Division Series, Game 3. And 1980, the aforementioned Willie Akins, who, uh, as I said, did it twice in Game 1 of the World Series. Congratulations to you, Bryce Harper. Nick Castellanos. You have hit five home runs in a three-game postseason span. You joined just one other player in Major League history to do that, and it is, of course, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. It's a nice company for Nick. Very nice company. You're talking about you and Mr. October himself. There's no greater nickname yeah, or complimentary nickname, I should say, maybe when it comes to postseason baseball than being nicknamed Mr. October. That's kind of like saying you're the most clutch guy in the most clutch situation. I I feel like Nick just stepped up this postseason. He wasn't that flashy during the regular season. Well, the Phillies, by the way, have now played seven postseason games, and they've hit 16 home runs during that time. They're tied for third place all time because two teams are tied for first, and that was the 2020 Yankees, who did it 17 times, and the 2004 Astros, who did it 17 times. The Phillies did it 16 times, which is, like I said, all time good enough through third, good enough for third place, and that ties them with the 2021 Red Sox, who also did it 16 times. But they still have a chance to score more. Well, but this was the most homers through the first seven games, so they don't have another seventh game. They don't. Okay. But maybe they'll do it some records in the eighth game. Who knows? They've hit 12 home runs in their last three games, however, and that is the most of any team in a three-game span in postseason history. You know, the Phillies kind of, I I, I, I hesitate to say lucked out with this, but the way that everything lined up, they're kind of playing four games in a row at home in the playoffs, and that doesn't happen a lot. It's contributed, I think, to this momentum. They're 3-0. and you know, through the first three out of these four games. with Obviously, they're playing game two, but their fourth game in a row at home tonight. So, yeah, they're definitely feeding off of that energy and momentum. And this is the most, like I said, home runs of any team in postseason history during a three-game span, 12 homers again, in case you missed it the first time. It's a nice accomplishment. All right, one little note for the Diamondbacks last night. We mentioned Geraldo Perdomo hit that home run, and the Diamondbacks are now the first team in postseason history to have four players aged 23 years or younger with multiple home runs in a single postseason. It's Geraldo Perdomo, Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno, and Alec Thomas all have hit multiple home runs in this entire postseason. They're the first team in postseason history with that accomplishment. So, hey, Diamondbacks appear to be a great young core team, and we'll see if they can continue 
their run not just this year but next year as well and for the foreseeable future the diamondbacks were not projected to factor into this race this season when the season started everything was all about the dodgers and the padres and maybe the giants and the mets well i'm talking about in the al west yeah. and and now you, you kind of see the way that the dodgers series ended and and the diamondbacks being as young as they are a lot can happen the Padres laid an egg this year after they beat the Dodgers in last year's postseason. So don't want to predict anything too soon, but this appears to be a well-managed young core of players, and we'll see. They remind me of a little bit of Oreos or Texas Rangers a couple years ago with yeah. had a lot of young rookies coming up, and we see the results nowadays. Absolutely. And, you know, their ace got knocked around a little bit last night He's with those three home runs. Player. And you hang your hat on that and say, like, look, that's not going to happen all the time. So I think they have some momentum actually going into the game tonight. We'll, we'll see if it translates into a win for them or not. All right. So congratulations to those young Diamondbacks. All right. Back to the Phillies a little bit. Zach Wheeler. Zach Attack. He has a .70 whip. Walks or hits in innings pitched, and that's in nine career postseason starts. That's the lowest in any nine-start span in postseason history. Wow. It's his first nine starts, by the way. So it's not just a nine-game span period. It's his first nine starts because he's only had nine starts. He has the lowest whip in the history of baseball. I thought that was like, wow. Next on the list, by the way, if you're wondering, is Madison Bumgarner who did it with the Giants and Bruce Bochy, 2012 to 2016. His is .73. So just a, a hundredth, three hundredths of a point separates these two. Wow. That's a very impressive number. Impressive. Most impressive. Most impressive. We got a couple of fun stats to wrap it up with the Phillies. They're now 27 and 11 in the postseason at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Uh, their winning percentage just continues to climb there. It's now 7-11. Funny number. 7-11, uh, everybody. But they are first place all time right now in their home field winning percentage, and they just continue to add to it. Bryce Harper, by the way, has homered in nine postseason games with the Phillies. Again, adding another one last night, and the Phillies win again. They've won all nine times. So if Bryce Harper homers, there's a high probability the Phillies are going to win. It's actually 100% right now. So if Bryce goes, so those Phillies. Yes, and that's the longest streak to one homering to start a postseason career with a franchise. Wow. Bryce Harper's teams, by the way, have won 10 straight postseason games in which he's homered, dating back to his time with the Nationals. And that is tied for the longest streak all time with Carlos Correa, who did it with the Astros from 2017 to 2020, and Bernie Williams, legendary New York Yankees center fielder, who did it from 1996 to 2000. All right, that is all of the milestones that we have for today's episode. Yes, congratulations to all of the award winners. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. But before we get out of here, I just want to ask really quick, Nika, who's going to win tonight? Oh, boy. I have to go with the Phillies. Phillies it is. Phillies are going to head to the West, to Arizona, with a two games to nothing lead says Nika I'm going in a different direction you're going away I think the snakes bite them tonight I really do hope Arizona can manufacture some wins so this series continues to six or seven absolutely well we have this game tonight and we have the Astros and Rangers the resuming Texas. their series again tomorrow the Texas showdown tomorrow 
Yes. We got Scherzer. We have Christian Javier, of course, for the Astros on the mound. So yeah, a couple games, and then we will be back here again on Thursday morning to stay tuned and keep updated on these playoff matchups. But that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on social media by searching for Kanika Baseball, and you can email us at kanikadaily at gmail.com. However, if you really want to help us out a lot, the best thing you can do for us is leave us a review toss us a like share our content with your friends or family especially during this awesome postseason time period but we'll be here throughout the winter months as well to keep you warm with some baseball news all right that's going to do it for this episode nika do you have anything to add no you did a great job okay thank you baby we will be back here on thursday morning again talk to you then have a wonderful rest of the week bye-bye Yeah.